Doug, we're wrapping up week four of the 2022 NFL season, and we only have one undefeated team left. It is the Philadelphia Eagles. They overcame a 14-0 deficit to the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday, uh, ending it with a 29-21 win. Uh, Atypically for a team that came out throwing earlier in the season, the Eagles actually responded to this two-score deficit by really just running the ball down the Jaguars' throats, right? Jacksonville defense had really been the NFL's best against the run in their three games before this. The Jags had allowed 165 yards on the ground, 3.1 yards a carry, and no touchdowns on 53 attempts, right? So against the Eagles, Jags give up 210 yards, 4.2 yards a carry, and four touchdowns on 50 carries. Again, this is a team that was down two touchdowns earlier in the game, and they still pound the rock 50 times. It's clear the Eagles going to win – Right, it's clear that Eagles can win any way they want, right? Are, are they unquestionably the best team in the NFL right now? Yeah, Luke. I mean, this is a statement game. This was a well, this was a kick down the door statement game. This was a set your garage on fire. You know, this was a braveheart statement game. It's one thing to overcome a two touchdown deficit against a really good opponent. It's quite another to come out and play bully ball against a defense that had been the bully. Jaguars, I mean, you've seen them. Um, they were, you know, top run defense in the league. The Eagles completely flipped the script due to the conditions of the game. Light, you know, Hurricane Ian was coming up the coast and all that. Um, and they didn't hesitate at, all to, hesitate at all to succeed that way. And when you can call your shots like that, when you can win no matter what, you are you're just, you're yeah, they're the best team in football. The Eagles did this with two of their uh, offensive linemen. Left tackle Jordan Mailata had a shoulder injury, and right guard Isaac uh, Siamalo uh, was out with an ankle injury. Lost during the game. So they had two backups in there doing this. Um, we're not even talking about a defense that shut the Jags down. We could do the entire show about how impressive the Eagles' win was and for how many reasons. It wasn't just the run game. Um, you know, the way James Bradbury disguised his look on the Trevor Lawrence interception was teach tape, just primo. Um, yeah, but I'll leave it there. They are they are the the road to anything this season goes through the link, and that's just the way it is. There's no question about it. I mean, you are what your record says you are, right? That's the uh, that's the old adage, and I think it's true here. That, I mean, the Eagles are the best team in the league, and it's because, like you said, they can win however they want on both sides of the ball, right? They can ground and pound on offense, or they can make the big plays through the air. They can stuff the run, get after the quarterback. They can create takeaways and make big plays in coverage on defense. I still don't think Hertz gets enough credit for what he can do as a passer. And obviously his versatility, his ability to run the ball is just such a dangerous weapon. Opposing defenses have to be so frustrated trying to defend all the different things that this offense can do well. Again, they are the most complete, most balanced team in the league right now. And I think their record reflects that. Yeah. Um, Well, Hertz is a great runner. I think only Josh Allen had more rushing yards among quarterbacks. And I found this stat out this morning because I'm running a tape piece on the Eagles run game right now. Um, <laughs> this is crazy. Miles Sanders had 27 runs for 134 yards and two touchdowns. 27 runs. 26 of them were out of 11 personnel, which is three receivers, one back, one tight end. 26 of his 27 runs were out of passing personnel. So they're they're really messing people up with this. Speaking of the other the team on the other end of that comeback, right, with the Jaguars, I mean, are we just chalking this loss up to being beaten by the best team in the league, or, or did this defeat kind of reveal some cracks in the armor for a team that was looking really promising through those first three weeks? I mean, we were both talking about this game as, as a potential clash of the Titans going into it. In the end, it really was anything but. 
Yeah, it was for a few minutes, and then it really wasn't. Um, I, you know, I don't get a fluke feeling about Jacksonville. They were, you know, obviously with Urban Meyer, they were in, you know, <laughs> total free fall. Doug Peterson comes in. They lost to the Commanders in week one while they were still figuring things out. They had two really good games. Um, I think they're a very good team on the rise. I think they got poleaxed by a number of things. Like Trevor Lawrence doesn't have a history of playing in the rain. He's not going to fumble four times in a game very often. Uh, the run schemes, as we mentioned, were set up specifically and perfectly to fool Jacksonville's defense into reacting as opposed to attacking. It's an attack defense. It's not a patient defense. They want to go for your face. They're not going to deal with many other offenses at that level. The Eagles also overhauled their defense this offseason, and that really showed up in this game. I want to mention again, Lawrence was seeing things he didn't expect and was ready for. The, the Bradbury interception, that came against cover three, and Lawrence thought that Marvin Jones would carry Bradbury to the end zone, and Bradbury adjusted perfectly to come back inside and jump the throw to Christian Kirk. That's a play that not a lot of cornerbacks are able to make, and they got him, you know, for relatively cheap because, hello, Giants, and your horrible cap situation. Things like that, it's not so much that the Jaguars are horribly flawed or anything. It's where the Eagles are just so on point right now, it's going to be tough for anyone to beat them, and I think the Jaguars will be fine. And actually, you know, it's one of those things where if you get, you know, punched in the mouth a little bit early in the season, that might not be bad for them because they were riding high and kind of, you know, maybe a Maybe they're a little overconfident. Maybe thinking, hey, we're we're toe to toe with the Eagles. Now you kind of know where you are. Yeah, and I think honestly, with such a young team, Doug, I think the most important thing and, the, and maybe the best thing they have going for them in Jacksonville is is the fact that they have Doug Peterson there to captain that ship instead of uh, the other guy that you mentioned. I can't, I can't imagine what it would be like if this team was trying to respond to something like this with Urban Meyer still as the head coach instead. Uh, well, mean, maybe maybe Urban would stay in Ohio and hang out at a bar with a woman who was not his true. wife right after the Jaguars lost a heartbreaker in overtime to the Bengals. I'm just saying hypothetically, not that any coach would actually ever do that. No, no, definitely not. And certainly no. not Urban Meyer himself. Uh, no, no, my goodness. Anyway. Uh, again, you know, back to Peterson. They have a leader who knows how to win, how to respond to these in-season situations and the adversity that comes up. And really, that's invaluable, right? This team still has tons of talent on both sides of the ball. They're still very young and, and still have enough potential and upswing to, to keep improving. I think this, like you said, was a very valuable teaching moment for them. Yes. And lucky for them, I think they have the right teacher for the job this time. Unquestionably. And, you know, this <laughs> they found out where they are and they know what they need to improve. It, it, it's early enough in the season where it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really set you back. It's a good time for this to happen. If a loss can be positive, and I think the loss to the commanders in week one was positive. Like, okay, we're we're in better shape, but this is I mean, it's still it's just a playoff team, I think. It's a it's a very good team. It's just the Eagles have been on this path for a very long time. And when you become obviously the best team in the NFL, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't usually happen in one season. Um, I watched the Legion of Boom Seahawks get built from the studs. That took four years. I mean, it just it takes time it takes. Speaking of teams with great defenses that uh, didn't look so great uh, in week four, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, they had given up 27 points total in their first three games, nine points a game. They gave up 28 points to the Chiefs in the first half in Sunday night football. Uh, a 41 to 31 loss for Tom Brady and the Bucks. Was this just a case of Patrick Mahomes going thermonuclear as we've seen him do before? Or are there concerns about the Bucks themselves beyond what he did last night? 
Uh, I think the answer is yes. How about that Chiefs offensive line? You don't often see Vita Vea <laughs> get pushed off his spot over and over. And uh, Nunez Rochez, the other defensive tackle, where uh, he got picked up and like thrown out. Yeah, that that you know, oof. not good, not good. Yeah, I think it's more about the fact that the Bucks ran into a buzzsaw in a version of Mahomes who might have been looking for a bit of revenge regarding a certain Super Bowl a couple of years ago. That might have been a factor. Maybe yes, no. Actually, you said it was. Uh, the Chiefs' offense is cooking with gas in a way it simply wasn't last year, especially in the run game. Uh, more gap blocking, which I've been like, you guys are built for gap. Do more of it. Um, creating explosive passing plays out of different personnel packages, which they're incredibly good at this year. Andy and Eric Bieniemy have like Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy opened that part of the playbook up. My concerns about the Buccaneers have formerly to do with their offense, and this game was a case of the defense just being unable to hold up for the offense anymore because Mahomes is, you know, going full volcano. Um, you have the offensive line and receiver issues. Tom Brady's obvious and repeated frustration with the way things are going. He's kind of turning into Aaron Rodgers with that, which is weird. Um, I know about the Brady death stare, but it seems like it's happening all the time now. I'd be inclined to call this a burn-the-tape game for the defense and focus hell on the offense and, and coordinator Byron Leftwich can get things back on track on the other side of the ball because, you know, you still got Mike Evans. you still got a pretty decent offensive line. Uh, you've got playoff Lenny. Uh, you've you got talent. You should be better than that on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, it, it's week four, right? It, it's way yeah. too early for, for the panic button in Tampa Bay, I think. But th- there were a couple of things that I saw – Sunday night and trends that were kind of coming out of the Green Bay game in week three as well that, that I definitely think are, are, are big concerns that, that Bucks fans should be, should be seeing right now. And I think, first of all, that's the second home game in a row where they've just come out completely flat on both sides yeah. of the ball, right? And obviously when you fumble the opening kickoff and, and set Patrick Mahomes up from, what, the 21 on the first play of the game, that's not going to help your, your case. But not how they do when, you have, when you have all that energy, Doug, and you're, you're at home, you've got your home crowd, and you come out looking lost on defense with a lack of communication and blown coverages and like you're one step behind the opposing offense every time and you're the you're the home team you're the one with all the the you're supposed to have the momentum and the energy and all this preparation and then they can't stop the run Doug they can't no you can't stop and the that's run. weird and that for this going defense, back to Todd Bowles weird. in 2019 right 2019 Todd Bowles is the defensive coordinator he has, the hallmark of his defense has been we stuff the run and make you throw. There are teams that literally would run two or three times in the first quarter and just give up because they couldn't get it done. And well, they the Cowboys and the Patriots both last year just said, hell, heck with it. I know family right. Heck with it. And, and, um, and rightly so. Rightly so. But Sunday night, that just wasn't the case. The Chiefs ran for around 200 yards. They averaged five yards a carry. And this is a team that couldn't run the ball on the Colts the previous week at all. So – it's a huge concern to me. Again, Mahomes is going to make his plays, and that's fine. He he made some highlight reel plays like he always does Sunday night. But the biggest problem for this team moving forward is they have got to figure out how to stop the run because if they can't do that, I don't know what else they can do well that they'll actually be able to do well on that side of the ball. And again, going back to the slow starts on offense, their scripts are boring. Their scripts yeah. are predictable. Where's the play action? Where's the motion? It's like the stuff that Brady. Where's the motion? Where's the play action? Where is targeting Mike Evans before maybe the end of the first quarter and finally getting the best player on your offense the ball? There's just so many things that don't make sense with the way this team is playing right now over the last couple weeks, and they've got to get them figured out fast. I think the next three weeks will allow them to do that. They're home against Atlanta. They play Pittsburgh. They play Carolina. So they've got a little bit better matchups to, to iron those things out. But those are the things that genuinely concern me about the Bucks moving forward. 
getting the ball to your best player. I have heard rumors that there's a there's some reason to do that. Kind of a good yeah, point. it's helpful. Yeah, it's helpful if you can. You should. Yeah, it works. Closing us out, Doug. Speaking of teams again that had trouble holding leads on Sunday. This is the second time this season already that the Ravens have lost a game in which they had a lead of at least 17 points, a three-score lead. They had one against the Bills on Sunday. They had a 21-point lead against the Dolphins in Week 2 and lost that game. I mean, this speaks to some obvious defensive issues, but turning our attention to that fourth-and-goal play from the Buffalo two-yard line, you've got 4.15 left in the game. You're tied 20-20. Did you agree with the Ravens' decision to go for it there instead of taking the easy lead in the field goal there? Lamar Jackson throws an interception to Jordan Poyer on the play. Bills never gave the ball back, right? They go on a 12-play, 77-yard drive. They end with the game-winning field goal as time expired. I mean, should John Harbaugh have gone for the points there and, and taken the lead? I don't think he should have gone for the points. I think he should have called a run play. Um, now, let's go into the the, the passing play. Um, Harbaugh said after the game that he was trying to go for the touchdown because he wanted to force the Bills into a four-down offense. The Bills were already a four-down offense, John. <laughs> Watch the tape. He knows that. He's, he's a smart guy. But whatever. I can see the logic. I can also see that Jordan Poyer made a play on the ball that maybe two or three defensive backs in the NFL would make. Like him, Minka Fitzpatrick, and I don't know who else. When Jackson was open for like an hour. He if, he gets, if he sees him early and gets rid of the ball, he's wide open. Well, the problem was Greg Rousseau was right in his face because Morgan Moses lost the battle to Rousseau at right tackle, and Daniel Falele, who was in for Ryan Stanley, lost to Shaq, lost on the other side. So Lamar had a compressed pocket. He couldn't move either way. He had to wait for Rousseau to get his hands down. So anyway, DuVernay is, and (laughs) Jordan Poyer said after the game, yeah, this is his direct quote, he was wide ass open, and I had to run over there. Poyer was over by the goalpost because his assignment wasn't DuVernay. His assignment was to spy Jackson because the Bills were terrified that he was going to run a quarterback draw which he had done the right. play before, and he, had he not slipped on the turf, that would have been it. So yeah. I get the philosophy. I would say that, you know, nine times out of ten, eight times out of ten, that play probably works. Because you got to remember, we're just last week on 49 Territory, we're talking about Lamar as not just the MVP, but the kind of quarterback we've never seen before. I don't have a problem with John Harbaugh betting on that guy. I just think it didn't work out. When we talk about four down plays – controversial situational cause calls, we have to be careful not to get process and outcome mixed up. So I don't have a problem with them going for it. I think they should have run the ball because then if it doesn't work, you still have a tie ball game. Bills are at their own two or one instead of their own 20 with a touchback. That's probably how I would have gone with it. Yeah, it's, you know, I see the the sense in the way you explained it, but it's just hard for me not to, to make this so simple. And, I really hated the call. I, I, again, if you run the ball, I think that's probably a better situation. You know you're not going to get any argument from me about how great Lamar Jackson is and how comfortable I am putting the ball in his hands with the game on the line. I don't have any problem with that. It just seems so simple to me. You're choosing possibly not having the lead versus having the lead against a, a team in an offense that it, I, no matter what Josh Allen does on the, on the, the following drive, you're going to have to stop him anyway. You're going to have to stop him from getting in field goal range to tie it or a touchdown to win at that point. But at that point, the worst-case scenario you're hoping is that you they get in field goal range and they kick a field goal, they play it safe, right? They just want to take the tie and we go to overtime. You, you kind of took that out of their hands by making a much more risky call. And again, to throw the ball 
where everything is condensed. There's so little space to work with. I don't know how Duvernay got that wide open in that little space. So it worked out to an extent, but that's a team game. Everybody's got to work together and do their jobs. And like you said, Lamar can't see that open if, if the protection's not there, which is why I think at the end of the day, it just felt like such a simple call to me. You take the field goal, you kick it away. You have the lead now. Now you've made the other team have to make the play to tie or win the game. And if they don't, you win, let alone tie. And it just it felt like it felt like a, an overcomplication of what should have been a very simple decision to take the points, take the lead, and if you get the stop, you get the win. Probably uh, the much maligned Greg Roman, uh, Baltimore's offensive coordinator, who well, I've always kind of stood up for. I think he's better than people think. The reason Duvernay was so open, just real quick, he ran a corner route to the to the boundary, and had they had Mark Andrews running sort of a in stop, and Buffalo's cornerbacks kind of both went uh, what and got stuck in the middle. So it was a great route concept. They had it wide open, uh, as Poyer said, wide ass open. Uh, if six different things don't go the wrong way for Baltimore, that's touchdown. Eight times, nine times out of ten, that's touchdown. It's just probability, outcome, as I said, process and outcome, two different things. They are two different things, Doug. Uh, what a week. What a week. Week four, again, another fantastic week full of games that uh, that were exciting. Games we didn't expect. Did you, did you have uh, Jared Goff versus Geno Smith as a 48-45 shootout? I know I did. Mm, let me check. No. Did I have Geno Smith as a better quarterback for the Seahawks than Russell Wilson? Also, no. Kind of looking like also that way. No. Mm. Hey, well, I can't wait to see what week five has for us, Doug. We are so grateful for you, the NFL fans, for uh, checking out the show again this week. Once again, for Doug Farrar and Touchdown Wire, I am Luke Easterling, and we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody.